Hello and welcome to Concert Pipeline. That's Jen Schiphol. And that is Steve Jones. And today on the podcast, we have an artist named Jay Draft who played live in the vineyard, and then he came to the, my vineyard property and played a performance there, uh, as well as did an interview. So we had a lot of fun. We're going to get into that in just a little bit. Before we do, though, how are you doing, Jens? I'm doing good, Steve. Uh, seems like just the other day we got our power back. You know, um, it's, it's, it's amazing. Like, perspective is, is amazing. You think you're doing okay, and then all of a sudden you lose your power and get some perspective. And then you get your power back. It's like, oh, man. Yep. I'm so glad I got my power back. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so how long was your power out for? Well, I shouldn't complain because my power was out for 48 hours approximately. But you were out considerably longer than that. I was, yeah. I was out for five days all in. Uh, I mean, well, for the second round. I mean, the first time a week and a half before, it was three days uh, that I was out. So I was, I was used to it at that point, but it was getting a little ridiculous. It was because we weren't getting any concrete information about, you know, when the power was going to come back on or when it was going to go back off again. So it was really hard to kind of plan um, and prepare for that kind of thing. Yeah, and you just have to really allow a great deal of flexibility in your life and not rely on the modern technology, you know, the, the things that you, uh, seem like you know you should have you should have them at all times right you should have access to that it should it shouldn't yeah. be something you have to worry about but if you can get past the need for electricity you're doing all right in this world exactly and that includes the internet right like our cell service was down i mean we could make phone calls but we had no um data at all uh even texting a picture you know wasn't working um but you know what? I didn't really miss any of that. I mean, I didn't really even miss not having the fridge working, uh, honestly. I mean, we had a bunch of stuff in the freezer, and um, you know, we were confident that that was going to hold for a while until the uh, power came back on. We had some leftovers in the fridge. You know, we got to some of that stuff. Some of it we didn't get to. We just tossed it. No big deal. Um, our hot water is gas, so we didn't have any like hot water issues. Mm. Although we didn't realize our hot water was gas, so we were freaking out about not having any hot water. So we wouldn't, we didn't take showers. Um, uh, when we did the dishes, we always used cold water. You didn't even try, so huh? Like, we didn't even try because we were so paranoid that even just using a drop of it was going to just deplete the tank of the little bit of hot water it must still have in it. So how did you find out then, that it was gas? So this is hilarious. So my wife, she goes um, and she decides, you know what? enough of this, I'm going to go take a really quick shower and, um, you know, I'll tell you how it is. So she goes in there and our, our shower upstairs is, is about, is about, is, is, uh, is as far as uh, I can't even freaking talk is as far away as you can get from the actual hot water heater. So it takes a while for the shower to warm up. Yeah. Right. And uh, she knows this. I know this. Usually we turn the shower on, wait a few minutes, and then you can get in, and it's warm. You know, but she was so confident that we had no water, she didn't even wait. I mean, she was in and out within those two or three minutes before the water get, had a chance to get warm, right? Yeah. And she was like, yeah, I did it. And I said, oh, congratulations. Great. And then, like, the next day, I was doing the dishes again, and I was wondering, why isn't the water colder? I feel like the water should be colder than uh -huh. it, it is and it was kind of it was on cold but it was sort of lukewarm and then i'm like you gotta be kidding me it's our hot water heater gas so i go upstairs and i turn the shower on and it's like hot yeah <laughs> like, are you kidding me we were waiting this long and we were talking to our neighbors about it and they weren't taking showers either and and um it turns out that their hot water heater was gas too. You educated them on on the hot water heater situation. Yeah, so I told them, hey, you know what? I just took a shower. It was awesome. You guys might have gas. Um, By the way, you're out. a little stinky. Uh, you just yeah, we're all kind of smelling, you know. Yeah. And um, so anyway, so this uh, <laughs> during this whole ordeal, it was really the hot water that I was. Um, worried about the most it wasn't so much the lights or the food or any of that stuff but by the time our power came back on the number one thing that i had missed the most 
that required electricity was the freaking garbage disposal. Really? Okay. Why is that? Yeah. Out of out of all things, I'm just so used to doing dishes and just putting stuff down the garbage disposal, and now here I am, like, oh god, I got to like throw stuff in the trash, and it's no big deal. It was just one of these automated things in my routine that I realized was kind of throwing me off without electricity. I mean, it sounds silly, but yeah. I thought for me, the garbage disposal was more valuable than the internet mm. yeah. <laughs> and lights. For me, it was all about the internet. The refrigerator. Yeah. Like I, mm-hmm. I mean, I, for me, it was all about the internet. Right. So we work, yeah. work from home. And, um, and so I, I mean, it would have been easy for me to just take the down day, uh, our, you know, company would have paid us, you know, for, for the downtime mm-hmm. and everything. But I just have mm-hmm. so much going on at work that I couldn't do that. And so I went wherever I could get uh, internet. You know, once at the, I worked okay. one day at the, the girlfriend's. One day I went to Lincoln uh, and worked at a friend's house uh, out there, 90 miles away. Uh, and I worked at a fr- I mean, yeah, friend in town. Yeah, I mean, so I worked at three different places in three days uh just to be able to work uh and Mm -hmm. and get by and i you know i didn't have the kids on those days so luckily that was uh not you know an issue there but um Mm -hmm. you know i was hopeful when i would get home that the the power would be back on uh you know i made plans with a you know borrow a friend's generator so we can Mm. and uh space heater so that the kids and i could gather around the space heater if we needed to and just like have a little camp out around there because the house got Uh really cold um yeah we didn't didn't have a heat problem at all it wasn't too hot it wasn't too cold so that didn't affect us but um you have a wood stove too. I mean, you can turn on the, like the wood stove. I could have done that, yeah. But I, I guess I was a little finicky about fires in this climate right now. When you know, because like they're turning off the power to prevent uh, fires. Right. So yeah. Let's go light a fire. <laughs> yeah, I don't think anyone's coming. Would be coming to my house knocking and saying, "Hey, you know, you gotta." I gotta cut that shit out but uh <laughs> can you imagine your neighbors like i smell smoke oh my god there's smoke coming out of your roof yeah it's uh called a wood stove <laughs> yeah i know right so I, I i could have done that i i just opted a, i was gonna opt against it at the time being that's probably a good call for obvious reasons so uh yeah, yeah but luckily that, that day the, the power had come back on and so you know i as soon as I found that out, I turned the heat on and we heated up the house and let it be warm for the kids when they got home and everything. So it was, uh, yeah, I mean, you were, you went pretty far out. If I remember correctly, mm-hmm. you actually used a buddy's refrigerator to store some of your food. Uh, in. Yeah. Cause I got the harvested food, uh, you know, duck sausage that we, uh, that we made and caught, yeah. uh, lingcod that I caught and, uh, mm-hmm. you know, another, uh, f- items that are, you know, not easily replaceable from a grocery store that, are, you know, are really pretty precious to me um, to make sure you save. So, yeah, I'd move that to wherever I could. I, I mean, the first time I kept it in my buddy Joe's freezer uh, until the power came back on. The second time we shoved it into uh, my girlfriend's freezer at her her place um, because she had power. Um, you know, I couldn't stay there the whole time because she uh, was housing, uh, you know, a a kind of a kind of friend who was evacuated from her home in Santa Rosa um so it was just uh-huh. really crowded there so wow. it was a lot going on you know and uh what a mess. you know and hopefully we don't have to do it anymore but man you know the we are not getting any rain anytime soon no man what is up with that I was like oh dude I just the I mean the last rumor I heard was we need to expect these power outages for you know, to happen at least once a year for the next 10 years. I hadn't heard that, but if this is a new way of life, you know, yeah. I mean, I might need to get a generator. Um, yeah. The generator definitely. won't really fix the internet issue, right? If it's, if there's no internet, but, um, but it could fix some of the other stuff, the livability. Yeah. <laughs> so. If the signal's still coming in, then you can still get your internet working, but yeah, you definitely have to have the signal to come in yeah and it wasn't yeah i mean i yeah. I'd called the i called the uh internet provider and there was i mean it said there were issues in the area right so mm-hmm. um so that's the challenge too so i don't know yeah. five days hopefully that's the longest we'll have to put up with this but you yeah. may just take it one day at a time that's all you can do and i really i you know i mean people are like man that 
there's a lot of pity and everything, a lot of, man, that must be rough yeah. for you. But mm -hmm. I mean, at the end of the day, I, th uh, the way I look at it is why sweat the things you can't control? Mm -hmm. and, uh, there's no point in that. That doesn't accomplish anything. And then also two years ago this time was when we had the, the fires here in Napa and, uh, and, and you, you were able to see those from your house. Yeah, those are like behind my house and, and where I <laughs> seriously thought my house might have been gone. And so mm -hmm. there's not a lot that's going to phase me compared to that. Mm -hmm. um, so that's just what I could, you know, I have that bar to compare that, compare everything to. And being with that power, that's something I can overcome. I can control, you know, part of that situation. Is it a yeah. major inconvenience and does it suck? Yeah, but, uh, you know gotta do what i gotta do so exactly it's a lot of perspective and kind of like what you said it's um it's kind of a new reality it's uh if this is what you gotta do in order to save the neighborhood from burning down hey it's no big deal it's just electricity yeah and i'll tell you last sunday uh so i was trying to get out duck hunting and uh, just going out solo uh, i went out to grizzly island and uh and it was on fire um grizzly island was on fire yeah 2300 acres of grizzly island burn um and oh my god yeah so i i'm like driving down there and i'm like is that at grizzly like is that actually at grizzly or is it something you know adjacent to to grizzly or whatever and then they you know i was driving down the path and they're like you gotta leave <laughs> you know i took, <laughs> took some pictures and a little bit of video uh, of it but i was like wow okay so i i mean i think it's still shut now but it might open up again this week maybe um i don't know what freeway is that next to again i mean it's in sassoon city so it's off of off of the 80 a bit oh, so yeah um yeah uh so Man, that's trippy i know yeah so I, I mean it's slow november now so i mean there probably won't be much birds out anyway but yeah that, that sucks i think it, it burned like last year too i mean it's just mm -hmm. hasn't done well with this sort of you know situations that we're in so crazy yeah my wife and i were at a winery a few years ago and we read that that place burned down Mm. and um it was one of those places where it was a little bit over the top you know you walk in the door and everything was so grandiose and you know it's the kind of place where you go i don't know get married or something and it's just weird to think about how all, all that's just gone yeah 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 it's crazy when you think something that you're just used to being a part of life mm -hmm. and everything and then it's just you got you 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 can't put a permanency on anything, really, you know. And, no, and yeah. that's kind of what I'm learning. But it's it's not that far away. I mean, it takes like 45 minutes or an hour to drive there. Yeah, well, you won't be going back probably anytime soon, I imagine. So. <laughs> no. no. Yeah. Well, Steve, man, I'm glad you're alive. Hey. As well. I'm glad you're alive too, yeah. And so the, the things we can be thankful for, right? Uh, exactly. We... We're here to record another episode of Cosmic Pipeline. You, I mean, you say that like another episode, like you've done like a, a hundred and forty-two of these or something, you know? <laughs> yeah, man, you need electricity to do concert pipeline episodes. Yeah, yeah. Well, okay. uh, so we'll talk about live in the vineyard a little bit. Um, we're gonna in our next episode next week. We're we're gonna do I think an all music episode where we're uh, we're gonna play a bunch of footage from uh, the live in the vineyard festival. Uh, mm -hmm. we'll bring that to you and uh, a lot of the performances from that. This time we're going to bring just one specific artist that was playing a, a, an event tied into Live in the Vineyard. Um, and uh, and really, uh, this is Jay Draft. He uh, came to me uh, via his, uh, his manager who actually managed Brendan James, who was on our last podcast uh, that, that we did. And so um, coincidentally, I mean, he, uh, his, his manager brought Brendan also to my house three years ago for tied into live in the vineyard we did a performance then and i was like okay yeah he reached out i was like okay let's do let's do kind of the thing we did with brendan jay came out and performed uh, at the vineyard at my property uh, along with his keyboardist uh, thomas johansson uh, who came up from la actually uh, just uh, for the live in the vineyard performance and for performing in uh uh, on my property so we're going to uh, hear the song that they did uh, on the vineyard and then we'll get into the interview here it is hey everyone out there uh, you're listening to concert pipeline i'm jay draft and uh, my new singles taxi in the rain check it out 
caught up in some snow five hours delay all i'm gonna do is sit and wait and think about your beautiful face inside my head i'm walking through this life with you of them I already know. Sometimes I think that God has made an angel just for me, watching you sleep at night. I know that our love was meant to be. Caught up in some snow, five hours delay. All I'm gonna do is sit and wait and think about your beautiful face. Inside my head, I'm walking through this life with you. Jay, how you doing? I'm doing great. How are you today? Excellent. Doing great. Uh, so you came into Napa just for uh, this Live in the Vineyard This Live in the Vineyard thing. I, it's uh, it's incredible. I, I love, I, I mean, I love wine. I love music. What better place to be right now than here at Live in the Vineyard? So, yeah. Have you yeah. been to Napa before? It's my first time. Okay. Yeah. And so tell me about your experience here so far. Oh, it's been great. We got in just yesterday and um, I did some singing today at a, at a mansion uh, here in Napa for a bunch of music supervisors and uh, that was exciting and uh, drank a few mimosas while I was there. Uh-huh. Um, we saw a show last night at the Uptown Theater. We saw Marin Morris perform along with uh, Avril Lavigne, who, who I love. And uh, it's just uh, so far the, the, the whole experience here has been great. You know, thanks for having me on. You know, of course. It's great. Yeah. So, so tell me about as a kid, um, your musical taste and kind of and upbringing with your parents and their influence. Um, I grew up listening to everything, really. I mean, my mom introduced me to um, a lot of the old classics. Uh, like I grew up listening to Frank Sinatra, who was a big influence, you know, you know, and um, uh, a lot of classical music. I'm classically trained, so I grew up listening to a lot of classical music. Um, a lot of the um, uh, opera singers uh i'm a huge Pavarotti fan so he was uh definitely um somebody who um inspired me to do this you know he was one of the um the first opera singers i heard and he just he just he inspired me to want to study music in school and 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 make this a thing and uh um i had 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 a great experience so far you know with everything and um yeah and a lot of your friends growing up like would be into different music, but that never swayed you at all. And it, and no, it's funny. Like um, my brother and I used to be in the car, 
you know, on long drives and we'd always argue about, you know, you know, getting in fights in the backseat about who, who, who plays what, what can we play now? You know? And I was, I, I always lost. I was never, yeah. because you know, not a lot of people, uh, appreciate it. This kind of, I mean, it's, it should be more appreciated. Classical music, you know, a lot of people, you know, they, they go to the, you know, the rock, rock and roll, you know, which is great. I mean, I enjoy that too, but you know, growing up, I, I, I always really had a thing for the classical music and just that, that sound, you know? So, and the trained, the, the big voiced singers. Yeah, yeah. So it attracted me. So were your parents musicians at all? Not or? at all. No. Not at all. I'm the first, hopefully the first of, you know, start a line of, of musicians. We'll see. I mean, but, uh, nope, not, not even close. <laughs> and, and so at what so, point, what point did you find your voice? Ooh, um, I was really young and, uh, my mom always tells me the story how, about how I got my start. I just kind of put on these little operas with my toys and, you know, as, as a kid and, you know, she kind of like sort of in the background, you know, would sort of like, okay, you know, and she, she, uh, just one day was like, you know, you should take, you should, you should take a singing lesson, you know, maybe, maybe it'd be cool. I mean, do, do you like singing? And I, and I was like, eh, you know, at that point I was so young, I didn't, I didn't even know. And I didn't know I had, a, you know, a knack for it. And then I, I started taking lessons. I was about 10 years old. And, uh, it, that was the beginning of, of everything. You know, I, I studied, went to school for it and, uh, went to school to sing opera and, uh, doing something a little different now, doing more recording, more of a, a, uh, crossover thing right now and alternative, whatever, yeah. whatever you like to call it. Yeah. So, yeah. Did you take lessons all the way, like through high school? And I did. Everything? I did. Okay. I did. Yeah. So about, yeah, about 10 year, 10, 12 years of training. And uh, went on to study at uh, the Juilliard School in New York. Moved to New York, and uh, that was an amazing experience. And uh, really, I really learned how to sing there. So yeah. So what was the goal back then for you uh, when you're as you were finding your voice? The goal, I, I just wanted to. I wanted to sing. I just love to sing, and that's. I, I just wanted to share my talent at that point. And I, I wanted to. Um, yeah. I mean, I just love it. I love doing it. You know, this is something I want to do for the rest of my life. So, yeah. You know. and, and so you um, you won the Allen Award uh, for Best Vocalist at e Easton oh, School. Oh, at Music, Eastman School. Right? Yeah, yeah, I did. So that, tell me about that. That, gosh, that was a long time ago. Um, that was like my first big award, to be honest. You know, I, that was something that really, um, you know, when you think about it, it's like, wow, I guess I guess this is something that I can do. I mean, I guess this is something that I can, I can make a living at, you know something that I feel like I can have a career in music, you know, that, that was a huge day for me. I was like, wow, I actually won. I mean, I was surprised. I mean, there was so many people there perform, so many people singing so much talent. I mean, surrounded by people that, that, you know, that are doing the same thing and, and to be a winner, to, to win the whole thing. I mean, just, that was awesome. Did you have to have like an acceptance speech or? No, no. no they just gave me the award and that was it. I said, oh, thanks. Great. Yeah. You know, but that, that really started it all. That really, um, after that, I mean, I was accepted to Juilliard and, um, so that opened the door. It opened, it, it definitely, it, it definitely helped. Yeah. So, and I had some great teachers at that point that really kind of coached me through the whole process, you know, to get me into that school, which, you know, which was another huge thing. I mean, that's, a, that's such a tough school to get into. And I was just, I mean, I remember getting, getting the letter in the mail, like, you know, you know, we want you to join our class of 2000, you know, 13, you know, class, and it's such a small, small school and yeah. they only accept like 10, 10 vocalists a year. Wow. And to be a part of that, you know, group, small group was just an honor. So, so what did you take away from, from Juilliard? What, what would you say kind of are some of the big lessons or big kind of development that you walked away with? Um, really well in, at Juilliard, they teach you how to be the full singer how to be the full, like they teach you how to, we, we took acting classes, we took movement classes, we took language classes where we, because at Juilliard, you have to sing in, you know, five different languages. Yeah. And, uh, which, you know, which is important if you're going to be an opera singer. Um, but I feel like I'm so, I'm so glad, you know, that I have that, that I, you know, I could just, you know, you know, oh, sing us something in, in French. Okay, great. You know what I mean? Like, yeah, you have five languages you can I can into. choose from. I can throw it at you. You know, here you go. Here's some French. Here's some Spanish, yeah. you know. Sometimes so, you'll mix languages together. In, sure. In oh, yeah. Too. I mean, yeah. sorry, yeah, I'll, I'll do a little Italian and I'll just come out with some English yeah. or vice versa, you know. Um, but uh, overall, that experience, I mean, like, to, I guess to take away from, Ju I mean, Juilliard, it really prepared me for like what I'm doing today, you know, where I can, I can go into the studio and just 
have it all together and they, they call me one take Jay. So, yep. you know, I, <laughs> you know, um, so, um, yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm just, again, like it's, it's, I'm so glad that I was able to study there and, you know, it's maybe into the singer who I am today. So, yeah. And, uh, I mean, were there relationships that you built there that have kind of, you Oh, absolutely. You know, I, I mean, I mean, some of my best friends today, I, there's a guy I just saw in concert. I was at Juilliard the other day in New York and he gave a piano recital and he's a friend that I'll, you know, friends for life. You know, you, you meet some of the greatest people there, some of the greatest relationships, you know, and, uh, and it's like, it's great that I, you know, I, I went out while I was there. I hung out with all sorts of different kinds of people. I hung out with dancers. I hung out with actors and kind of, and they're all doing their own thing now. And, and, you know, one day we'll all get back together and talk about, you know, what we're currently doing and all the exciting things, you know, that we have coming up. So, yeah. and I can say there's definitely some exciting things coming up in the near future for me. So, yeah. So I want to ask you about how you kind of transitioned from uh, J. Uh, J. Lewis uh, Dreff, or is it Louis? Lewis. Lewis. Okay, I was right first. Okay, uh, draft to uh, uh, to just J draft. Why did you drop the middle name and kind of where? How does that bring you to where we are now? I, I just, gosh, what do I? What do I, I J draft is better. I, yeah. I think it's just easier off the tongue. It's like J draft. Yeah. You know, it, it it has a better. It looks better. You know, you know, on, on a on a billboard or something like that. Or look, it would look better in, in lights or. Yeah, I don't know. I, I honestly, honestly, I haven't really thought about that. The Lewis. J. Louis, I don't know. That's a good question. Okay. Okay, but, but I think J. Dreff is better. I think, um, and that's what we're using now. And so far, you know, it's, people remember it. Yeah. Yeah. And you separated your, your work because you did, yeah, you, you did some music under J. Louis Dreff as well. I but, did. But you're, yeah. you're starting. Like, that's my more classical operatic side, J. Louis Dreff. And now okay. it's just J. Dreff, you yeah. know, so. <laughs> yeah. So what, tell me about that transition to you, uh, for you in, in terms of musically to, uh, yeah, well, then to now. I guess like um, it's been a few years now um, where I, I, I sort of broke into this recording industry and started making more of more of the music like I'm doing today, like the song that you've heard, "Taxi in the Rain." Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, for this for this particular song, I, I just feel like um, I'm so glad that this is my first single because it's it's just it really tells people, you know, it really shows people who I am. Yeah. And it and, and that's this is the voice, you know, that I want people to hear. So Yeah. And so uh for we can talk about taxi in the rain a little bit of course. Oh sure, I sorry, yeah. <laughs> so yeah, no, that's that's perfect. Right. So uh-huh. um you had uh Stefan uh uh Macchio, is that right? I did, yeah. Okay. And uh, And Lauren Christie. And, and Lauren Christie produced it. Um yeah. and they, well, they wrote, wrote it they together wrote it as well. Yeah. Okay. She they wrote it uh yeah, they wrote it together along with uh, another songwriter named Denise Rich. Okay. Yeah. And, and so tell me about the decision for you to start with uh, a song that they uh, that they wrote, you know, versus with songs that you've wrote yourself. Well, I actually haven't written anything that's well, I mean, I won't say anything, but okay. I I mean, but I but this song um they were looking for somebody they they had been sitting on this song for years trying to find the right singer for it and they they got they got a hold of my demo and uh they immediately were like we we need we need this this guy we want him to sing this song and when i found that out i was just i was in shock i was like this is amazing this is so cool and they you know and i i remember hearing the song for the first time and i immediately fell in love with it and i was so excited that they wanted to work with me and they flew me out to la and uh we recorded it and uh, it's so far it's been a whirlwind. Was it know? one take J then too? No, well, I mean, <laughs> sure. I mean, no, it took it took it took a little more time, but I, I'm glad. You know, yeah, it it was it was so much fun though. I mean, working with them and them coaching me through it, and because they, but they they we had a special connection. I mean, Stefan and I and Lauren, and it was just the overall experience was awesome, and I hope to work with them again, you know, one day. So. Yeah. So tell me about uh, since you re- recorded it. Tell me about the process for you. What brought you to here, here to Napa? Uh, uh, getting the song out there. Tell me about that experience. Yeah. Well, um, the song we released the song as a, as a single on uh, September thirteenth, and it's it's on Spotify. It's on iTunes, um, and so far it's getting it's such a great response. It's it's you know the streams so many more i mean every day there's more and more people that are listening to it and i'm getting such great feedback from from all sorts of people all over instagram and just such great such amazing messages from people and i think i even there's a woman who's 
stalking me. <laughs> oh, really? I mean, you got a stalker already? I have already. a stalker already. It's just the beginning. Hopefully, <laughs> you got to break into that. So, yeah. Okay, so. Well, I mean, she 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 uh, she's on Instagram. She okay. found me, and uh, she's a huge. She calls herself a gross Josh Groban fan. Calls herself a Grobanite, okay. and then she, she but she also says I'm a huge Jay Dreff fan now. And she put together this collage of my photos uh-huh. and tagged me in it, and I saw it, and I was like, wow, she must be. You know, t- she took a lot of time to do that. Yeah. So, but hey, you know what? I'm. That's great. You it's haven't all, met her yet, though. Like, I, I haven't met her. She lives in Australia, so okay. you know, maybe who knows? Maybe I'll go out to Australia and she'll find me. You know, there. I don't know. <laughs> You'll go to her. And sure. So, yeah. No. Now she, you have some bodies of water to separate that. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> but I, what I what I love about she did message me. She said that her her nine year old daughter loves the song, oh, and that's great. You know, I love that. You know, you can listen to the song when you're nine years old. You can listen to the song when you're ninety years old, yeah. and it has the same effect on people. So. Yeah. You know. So um, a little, little bit of a turn, but I, I saw a video of you doing karaoke to Lion King. Oh, gosh. Uh, Where'd you see that? It exists. Oh, it God. exists. I tell you, I did my homework. So. <laughs> oh. All right. <laughs> and, and so uh, I don't say that to embarrass you. I say that because, uh, I mean, I imagine, and we'll hear your voice, right, uh, on, uh, when you yep. perform a song, but, uh, but you walk into a room and do karaoke I'm sure, like, jaws are on the ground. Oh, yeah. Right? Actually, it's funny you say that. I, I was uh, visiting home uh, in Buffalo, and my brother was like, we're going to karaoke night. I said, oh, okay, cool. And uh, I got there, and just a bunch of people singing, just whatever. They, they sounded good, you know. Mm-hmm. And I got up there and uh, did a little uh, You Raised Me Up by Josh Groban, and just mm-hmm. the, the room just, like, froze. I know what he did. It was it's just it's, it's fun. I mean, I love doing that. Uh-huh. I mean, not to sound like oh yeah, I'm like the karaoke king here. No, but, but you you know, but uh, it's it's just fun to kind of like that, that that sort of you get up there and you're like, all right, here we go, and just like the response that I get, you know, like oh my god, who are you? Where do you come from? Yeah. It's like you're not just someone going down to the karaoke bar and just. Uh, I can, you know, that's a good. I should go to. I should just go to a bunch of karaoke bars throughout New York, throughout, and just kind of just show up, drop the mic, and then. Uh, we got a good karaoke bar in town. Do you? All right, let's go tonight. Yeah. yeah, yeah we'll okay. Go, we'll head on over. Sounds and, great. All right. Yeah, you know, <laughs> but uh, I'm sure. I mean, I'd be interested in seeing that reaction. So. Yeah, yeah. It's fun. I used to work at a karaoke bar too in, Did the, you? in the city. Yeah, it was, it was fun. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, but um, yeah. I mean, karaoke's great. Yeah. <laughs> And uh, and so um, you did you did Phantom you did Les Mis I did, did Les Mis. I did a production of Les Mis I, I spent about three and a half months in uh, little Fort Atkinson Wisconsin at a theater there small little theater but uh, it was fun that was my sort of uh, only real I mean I grew up doing theater as a kid but that was my first professional gig uh, you know doing musical theater and how so, was that experience for you that's great i mean i love that show i mean i'm so glad that that you know if there's going to be any show i'm going to do i mean i, I love i played the role of Ajaras and he's an amazing amazing character really just kind of like this like guy who just just like balls to the wall singing you know yeah and uh but that was so much fun i mean i would have i mean i mean if i could do it all over again i would yeah what so. took you to wisconsin to do that the show was there yeah yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah so that's what brought i mean i okay yeah never heard of Fort Atkinson. I don't know. It's it's a cute little town. Yeah. There's you like one, up and moved for one three groceries months, huh? for three and a half months. Yeah. Wow. So I was out there. Um, met some cool. Again, I mean, people. I the people I met out there are people I still talk to today. So. Yeah. You know, theater people. Yeah. You know. We mentioned Lion King, but I also yeah. on the Disney theme. I have to go back and say um, your uh, song from Hunchback of Notre Dame. That you heard that too. That you, oh, that you covered as, as I well. love. You know what? That's. It's so funny you mentioned that. I love that movie. That is my favorite Disney, favorite Disney movie. That and Hercules. Uh-huh. And it's funny, I had a book, um, a book of songs that it's sort of like, it was a it was like a combination of, of both those movies in one. It was like, you know, music from Hercules and Hunchback all in one book. Yeah. And I remember bringing that to my teacher and I was like, I want to sing this song. You know, I was a kid at this point. I, you know, she's like, oh, I think you're a little young for that. I said, you know, one day I'm going to sing that song. And uh, I did it. Like recently I recorded it and yeah, I mean, I, I, I love... I love that movie. I love Disney. I'm a, I'm a huge Disney fanatic. I mean, it's like uh, I grew up watching all those movies as a kid. I mean, we, we'd all gather in the living room on the couch. You know, me, I have two sisters and a brother, and we just all kind of were like, it's movie night. And we're, yeah. and we're watching, we're watch, okay, it's Disney. All right, great. You know, so. What do you think about the new live action? Disney I think they're great. Oh, my gosh. I love, I mean, the new Aladdin was awesome. The new Lion King. Mm-hmm. Um I think I think I, I love what they're doing. I mean, I I I want them to come up with more ideas for. I mean, like Frozen. I think you were just mentioning to me Frozen Two's coming out. Yeah. You know, but like the live action, which I think they're doing, live action for, 
almost all the all the animated movies are now they're turning into they're live turning action. Into all, I think that so direction. like Mulan is coming out mm -hmm. next year. So, but I'm excited. I'm excited for those. Yeah. Are there any other songs from the Disney movies that you'd want to cover? Go the distance from Hercules. Mm -hmm. Have you you've, yeah. you've practiced it? A little oh yeah. Bit. yeah, of course. Uh -huh. Yeah. Oh, of course. <laughs> um, what else? I mean, like, I mean, I love the Lion King, Beauty and the Beast. I used to sing in the, you know, the opera Gaston from Beauty and the Beast, mm -hmm. you know, like, because he had that big opera voice and used to blow that out when I was a kid and, you know, it was, it was fun. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So, so what is, as we uh, move into the future, like, what, what do we got coming up? I mean, we have, we have one song out now. Do you, are you working on an EP? What, is, what does this look like? We, we've, I've been in the studio mm -hmm. uh, recording. We have a few more songs. Um, I have a Christmas song coming out, actually, um, to be released on November 16th coming to spotify itunes so it's uh it's called a wish on christmas day okay so i actually i performed it live today here in the vineyard and um i uh, got a great response and so that's the next big thing and then hopefully an ep very soon uh like i said we've been recording a bunch and just kind of trying to figure out you know when you know when we'll release that so yeah. but I, I can say i mean very soon and uh, right now we're right now we're, we're spending most of our time promoting taxi in the rain and um we're starting to, I'm starting to perform it live now for audiences and traveling a lot. Um, going to, I think we're going to Boston. I'm going to some stuff in New York. I'm probably going to head back up to Buffalo and do some concerts up there for, you know, all my fans up there, which, you know, they love me there. I'm, I'm a, I'm a fixture in yeah. Buffalo. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, I mean, I'm excited. I'm excited to share, share this song, you know, with the world. You know, hopefully maybe overseas. We'll see. I mean. And the Christmas song, I mean, you, from what I can tell, you really like the holidays. I mean. That, I love the holidays. Yeah. It's, uh, Christmas is a great, it's a, it's a great time. I mean, I love the, I love Christmas. It's the best, it's the best music out there, really. Yeah. So what do you put in, what do you put into a Christmas song? Like, I mean, we have all the ones that uh -huh. we grow up with and everything, <clears throat> but when you're creating one yourself, like, what does that look like for you? Oh man. It just, it just kind of like, it, you just picture yourself in like a little little house in front of a fireplace a little hot cocoa and kind of just like sit back and relax and just kind of listen to the soothing sounds of jay draft you know with his christmas music you know so i wish on christmas day you know and, that, and this one this song especially really kind of like it, it creates this image of like you know you're you know you're in your house you're looking out the window it's starting to snow and and it's just a beautiful it, it paints a beautiful picture so very cool. Yeah. Well, Jay Jeff, thank you for. Oh my gosh, thank you so much for having me. Taking it's the great. Time this is it's beautiful out here. We're on a, and you can't see it, but we're on a vineyard. Amazing. It's so cool. It's a yeah. It's a great day and no it's rain. Beautiful. You know, you know. You're looking good, right? Yeah, looking great. Yeah. Very Thanks cool. again. That was the interview with Jay Jeff here on Concert Pipeline. And Jens, that takes us to our final segment of the podcast. What is it? It is our music news segment, Steve. <laughs> That is right. Uh, so we each have a couple of stories to share. Uh, actually, some interesting news this weekend, and uh, I look forward to conversations around some of it. Um, so first off, um, let's check in with Ozzy Osbourne and kind of how he's doing. I got kind of a double story on Ozzy. Uh, um, nice. Yeah. All right. Um, we seem to be talking about Ozzy a lot. You know, he's great at being uh, in the news. He is. He's doing. Uh, he's doing really well with it. So, uh, he's his health status was addressed by Zach Wild, uh, his guitarist, and um, and so uh, Zach Wild appeared on the uh, Cassis uh, Morris show and had this to say about how Osborne is doing. He said, "I just saw Ozzy the other day. He was at my daughter's wedding. Congratulations to Zach Wild, by the way, on his daughter uh, uh, giving away his daughter." Um, Very nice. Yep. He's uh, still doing his rehab and he's doing everything like that. Obviously, we're going to do these shows right now, but the doctor was like, nah, yeah, you're not ready to get out there and do it. Uh, it's no different than playing sports. If you're not ready to pitch, there's no sense in jeopardizing you making the injury even worse, you know what I mean, until you're good to go. Uh, then I'll stick you back out on the mound. I don't think it's going to hurt the fact that no one's going to show up when he decides he's ready to go. It's just like, Oz, don't worry about it. When you're good and ready, uh, then we'll go and uh, do it, and then everybody will still be there. Uh, so... He is, uh, you know, he's saying Ozzy's, uh, you know, live and standing, doing doing okay, and uh, maybe not ready to get out and perform, but uh, but not slowing down, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Got to keep the momentum. 
Yes. Got to keep the momentum. And while we're talking about him keeping the momentum, um, his Ozzy's wife and manager Sharon says in a new interview that uh, he is planning to release his new studio album in January of next year. Um, and so I guess he recorded an album with producer Andrew Watt following their collaboration on the Post Malone single, uh, Take What You Want. Uh, you may have heard uh, he did a song with Post Malone. Uh, mm. All the new millennials are really digging it and finding out who Ozzy Osbourne is, apparently, because they didn't know uh, who he was. But, uh, Isn't that amazing? Like, how could anybody not know who Ozzy Osbourne is? I know, I know. It's pretty crazy, so... Um, yeah, she said he just finished an album. The album's coming out in January. He's doing good. Very excited about the duet he did with Post and also Travis Scott. It's doing great. Top 40 radio, climbing up every week. It is doing good. Uh, and she says that making the album was really beneficial to him because he felt literally worthless. Um, he'd watch different things on TV. He was watching some band, uh, and they were on their tour, Rust Traveling. We talked about this, I think, in the last episode. And he, could just couldn't watch it he was almost in tears so um you know it's uh he really wants to get out there he wants to make music he wants to be relevant and do what he do what he loves and more power to him for it right absolutely all right that's my first story Jens. what do you got all right well thank you so much for sharing that aussie awesome aussie story um let's talk a little bit about kiss shot and we shall yeah, and we'll talk about Gene Simmons too. So, um, so uh, Ace and Peter made Kiss want to call it quits, says Gene. Ooh, okay. Yeah. So that's the story. So uh, Gene Simmons is, of course, the co-founder of Kiss. He explained in a new interview that problems with original guitarist Ace and drummer Peter inspired the band to embark on their first farewell tour in 2000. Uh, Dennis Miller guest hosted Larry King now and asked Gene, quote, I honest to God think that I was at a Kiss farewell show 20 years ago. Am I hallucinating? Question mark. I mean, <laughs> you got to wonder, right? So is this going to be the final farewell for Kurt Kiss or is there going to be another one? I mean... Will Kiss Live On. Uh, Will Kiss Live On. I mean, that's another band that I just can't see going away. I kind of see them as the Aussie show. You know, they've got to be around there forever just because they're so damn epic. Yeah. Would would Kiss go on without Gene Simmons? I mean... I can't imagine that, though, right? I know, but it's... So, basically, Gene responded, quote, I think I was on that one, too. It's a fair question. What happened was that Peter... Chris and, uh, oh my god, I'm going to massacre Ace's name. Uh, Ace. Freely. F- Freely. Um, okay, that wasn't hard. Uh, <laughs> you they, did great. Who, who are the, thanks for the assist, uh, who are the original founding members with Paul and myself 46 years ago. Not everybody is designed to run a marathon, it's fair to say. And not everybody should be in a band that lasts decades and decades. Um, that's true, right? I mean, come on. You need some serious endurance. Um, you need to be able to play well with others, right? And um, you've got to be consistent. Yeah, and, and honestly, there are some bands that really should call it quits before they, uh, you like know. Like a long time ago. Yeah, exactly. Right, exactly. Like, why are you guys still a band? <laughs> yeah, and yeah, so. Yeah. So basically, by the turn of uh, the early 2000s, it became dysfunctional to the extreme. They were asked to leave or left on their own uh, volition three different times because of the cliché of the clichés that had behavior, professionalism, drugs, alcohol, the usual thing. Um, Quote, it's been done. Come on. Then we look at each other and said, we can't live up to the... You wanted the best. You got the best. Let's just call it quits. Uh, uh, end quote. Well, I'll tell you one band that did call it quits, Jens, uh, and that is uh, Prophets of Rage. Uh, they call it quits amid Rage Against the Machine reunion. So oh. it's a little passing of the torch, uh, so to speak. So uh-huh. um, 
so Rage Against the Machine announced uh, that they're going to have a reunion tour of sorts, uh, a handful of dates to start, and uh, and Prophets of Rage, which is the supergroup featuring members of uh, Rage Against the Machine, except Zach De La Rocha, um, alongside Cypress Hill's Be Real and Public Enemy's Chuck D, have revealed that the project has come to an end. Um, and they, uh, Chuck D and Be Real confirmed the news on social media this weekend. Um, they said it's been an honor to rock stages and uh, people of all ages with these guys. Be real, wrote that it's been a great time and great memories in a short time. Rocking alongside uh, of Chuck and Tom has been amazing to say the least. It was fun while it lasted, and I hope we left a big impression uh, and that the music has been a source of inspiration for those that needed it. It was the purpose we got together, uh, and Chuck wrote it, it was about doing something greater than self. So. Um, Rage announced a series of shows next year, including sets at Coachella 2020. Um, yeah, so just like I said, just a handful of dates at this point. But uh, I think there's a lot of people that are really excited that uh, Rage Against the Machine is back in some capacity. I mean, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Rage. Yeah. You definitely got to have more Rage. Uh, you done? Like, uh, you want to hear about Chemical Romance? Oh, uh, My Chemical Romance? Yes. Uh, I would yes. love to hear about My Chemical Romance. I want to hear all about your Chemical Romance. Okay, tell me all about no it. No one else's, just yours. I'll let you tell me about My Chemical Romance. <laughs> okay, so My Chemical Romance announced a reunion concert. Another reunion. Yes. Another reunion concert. So... My Chemical Ramps served up a Halloween treat to fans by announcing that they will be reuniting for a concert in, drumroll please, Los Angeles, um, very, very soon. In fact, next month, December. Oh, and it's, wow. on, it's only one show, too, and it obviously sold out super quick. So, Dude, are you, like, ruining my story? Oh, no, go for it. No, I haven't even gotten sorry. that part yet. I actually found out about both of these within five minutes of each other, so I was like, oh, my gosh, okay. Yeah. <laughs> We're All doing right, that. Shut up. Let me tell my story. All right, so the band announced their breakup, okay, um, back in March of 2013, but surprised fans on Thursday by announcing their reunion show at the Shrine Expo Hall, and this is going to be December 20th, so the Shrine Expo Hall. Paul, you are right, Steve. December 20th is only one day. It is only one day, yes. It is only one day. There's nothing after that. It's just December the 20th, they say. Period. Period. Uh, the band tweeted the news by writing, like Phantoms Forever, tickets on sale Friday, uh, November the 1st, which has happened already. Um, <laughs> it, uh, it didn't. Yeah, they're gone. Tickets are gone. gone. Good luck. Good luck. Yeah, and they shared the announcement on their official website. Well, I mean, fans are going to love that, right? People will travel to go see them in LA. Oh, I'm sure. Yeah, I mean, people coming from all over. There there were a lot of big fans of that band, and I've I've said it before. uh, They were, um, you know, a band that I interviewed back in the day where I was not proud of my interview with them it was like five minutes long and the and uh and i knew like nothing about the band at the time and uh Uh yeah it it was not my most shining moment but i'm I'm glad Uh to i guess i've had the opportunity to enter i mean interview my chemical romance well Um, you'll have another opportunity now all you gotta do is fly on la and um yeah, don't say, hey, guys, remember me. Don't do that. Just, uh... Yeah. yeah. Well, I mean, well, I did interview one of the guys from My Chemical Romance a couple months ago, actually, uh, Frank Gairo. Um, in oh, that's re- right. When he opened right. for Taking Mac Sunday. So, um, right. yeah, didn't know about this, but um, but that was a pretty cool opportunity. So. Yeah, according to the poster, it looks like the uh, reunion is called Return. Mm. Um, beautiful poster, very nice and graphic. Very cool. All right, next story ends is about the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Um, we announced the inductees into uh, the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, the nominees uh, to be inducted, uh, and uh, and what we didn't kind of expand too much too far into was that um, uh, Motorhead. 
the uh, their nomination was there were some blemishes on it. Uh, it didn't oh. include longtime members Phil Campbell and Mickey D. Uh, they uh-huh. later corrected the error, but the snubbing was nothing new for the veteran members of the legendary band. Uh, yeah. Guitarist Phil Campbell. Uh, released his debut al- solo album Old Lion Still Roar last month, and prior to the Rock Hall snubbing, he was asked by the Scars and Guitars podcast, and he addressed how he is angered by not being recognized for his con- contribution to Motorhead uh, for over three decades. Uh, he told the show, some people, they don't even bother to read the writing credits of the Motorhead stuff. They just think it's Lemmy's thing. Uh, that kind of pisses me off. A lot of people uh, seem to think that way. A few times I've said to people, read the writing credits. You can only take so much sometimes, and he laughed. Uh, it depends on what mood you get in, but I know uh, what all the other band members have contributed. It was a proper band effort. We all worked hard with that band. Everyone was working their asses off. Uh, so... Yeah, and he said that even before the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, you know, snubbed him and one other member, you know, from the inductees list, yeah. which... Yeah, wow, well, look at that. A little slap in the face, you know? I mean, if you're one of the founding members, and uh, and even if you're not in the band anymore, like, that's, mm-hmm. that's you know, that's a once-in-a-lifetime thing. That's something you should be included in, right? Right. I mean, it's, it just seems like common sense, you know? Yeah, like common sense. Hey, you know, okay, we're gonna consider um, inducting these, you know, five bands or whatever. I mean, you do your research. You do you. You need to know (laughs) exactly which members you're inviting. Yeah, and it's it's also a good opportunity for bands, whether they agree to do this going forward or not, but for one night at least, to be able to bury the hatchet, uh, get together, all just jam on stage, uh, get everybody up there and and just rock out, um, celebrate the entity that is that band that you uh, that is inducted into that uh, the Hall of Fame because that's such a, uh, I mean that is the pinnacle for for bands right I mean they're they have a place in history at that point and mm-hmm. and it takes a village to get to that uh, that point whether you uh, agree with each other's politics or you get under each other's skin put it aside for one night and uh, and celebrate that's what I said right exactly. Yeah. Well, Jens, you have one more story for us. I do. I do have another story. It is a story about Tool. All right. Hit me. Uh, So here we go. So Tool had a close call with fire, of all things. Oh. In the recording studio. Oh, my God. Uh, So Tool's producer, Joe Baresi. Sorry, Joe, if I pronounced your last name wrong. We'll, we'll let you slide. that drummer, <laughs> Danny Carey, almost burned down the recording studio while the band was tracking their long-awaited new album, Fear Inoculum. Great job. Did I do that right? You did great. Baresi shared the story <laughs> during an appearance on Kerrang's Inside track podcast he said we were tracking we were always like to set up the room so it's visual sorry we always like to set up the room so it's visual drummer danny carries uh got some geometry thing behind him and there's always a pa and candles it's very vibey okay candles were mentioned right yeah so this sounds like a <laughs> sounds like their lit. problem is coming here <laughs> they're not these fake led candles this is a real thing uh quote i remember drum tech bruce jacoby was in front of the console and i saw <laughs> and i saw this look of panic in his face right look of panic and i was like what's going on all of a sudden he bolts out of the control room and gets behind Danny's drum kit where I guess Dan was playing with such power that one of the candles fell over on his floor fell over on his floor Tom Skip, just keep moving keep moving yeah. Tom, and started burning the floor Tom so the head went on fire Okay, I'm a moron. What's a floor tom? I don't know what a floor tom is, Jens. Uh, uh, uh. 
audio. Uh, okay. Anyway, so there's fire. Right? It's okay. There's it's fire. it's a part of a drum kit. It's a uh, it's a double headed tom 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 drum, which usually stands on the floor on three legs, uh, and it can be attached to a cymbal stand or the drum clamp or supported by a rim band. Okay. Gotcha. 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 Okay. So this floor tom thing. Okay, it's on fire, right? Yeah. Um. It continues. There's sprinklers in the ceiling, so we were trying to get the fire out before the sprinklers went off, and the whole recording uh, would be ruined. So that was one of the most insane moments. Um, Danny almost burning down the studio. I mean, that's that's a pretty badass story, right? Like that's uh, a pretty badass story. That's a story that's going to be told for years to come. Yeah, that's a. That's good times. That's, I mean, the fact that they were able to salvage everything uh, is great. Yeah, yeah. I wonder if that snippet has been recorded, recorded to publish somewhere. You know. Um, oh yeah, they should include that on in the album, right? They should. Yeah, yeah, yeah. At least put it on a B side or something like that. I mean, it sounded like he was just, you know, going off, and the candle fell down. Yeah. So Jens, I have one more story. Uh, is who- it? Is it? Is it a story about our? favorite man it is a story about our favorite man he is included in the story uh and that is mr dave grohl um yeah and so uh so there's some talk about uh, the band them crooked vultures and uh and so for those that aren't familiar uh them crooked vultures was a super group uh that included queens of the stone age frontman um uh josh hom uh dave grohl and Led Zeppelin's John Paul Jones. And they haven't performed together in over a decade. Uh, uh, Josh Hom sa- has said that uh, he's always ready to be in them crooked vultures again. Uh, and the Grohl recently said that fans shouldn't rule out the possibility of the group joining forces once more. Uh, technically, we're still a band, he explained. We practice once every decade, and we're coming up on another decade, aren't we? Uh, I don't have any official news, but there's always something cooking. And we, you know wow. you know, there's always something cooking with uh, Dave Grohl, right? And, Definitely. Um, and yeah. so now... Uh, Josh Hom has weighed in saying he's always ready to get things going again with the band. He, speaking to Rolling Stone, he said, the ironic thing is that we all uh, want to do another Vultures record. And I think everyone has certain roles they play in the Vultures. And in all honesty, I feel like that's part of Dave's role. Since he's uh, since he got it together the first time by saying, hey, do you want to try this? Uh, I feel that's part of uh, in his job description for the Vultures. I have my various things that I'm supposed to do, I think, but that isn't one of them. Um, so, um, yeah, I, I mean, he he's not opening the door himself, but he'll walk through it if, uh, if the door is open. And he says, I think ultimately these things happen when they're supposed to, and I don't have much experience in forcing things to happen like that. When you're playing music, people come together because they want to and not from a sense of need or desperation. I think that's the best, yeah. re- best reason to come together. Yeah, nice. Yes. Nice, um, nice. Well said. Yeah. So there's your Dave story. You you feel like that tickled the the Dave Ivory? Yeah. I I, I feel like um, I'm satisfied until you know our next episode. Oh, good. Okay. Hopefully we get another one then. I was um, not let down. Well, good. Well, I want to thank uh, Jay Dreff and his team uh, for uh, for coming out to the vineyard, uh, playing a song, and uh, uh, and it was a really great time. Uh, so that, so that was a lot of fun. And, uh, also again, live in the vineyard crew for, uh, for letting us cover the festival again for the umpteenth time, always a really cool festival, uh, and, um, and some really great performances. Uh, we're going to get into that more next week when we cover, uh, the festival, share a lot of the performances from, uh, li- the live in the vineyard weekend talk about how uh, how it all went uh, all that great stuff so that's our show for today so for all of us here concert pipeline that's jen shippel and that is steve jones we will catch you next time <laughs>